everyone, it's Krista Bontrager, and I'm your tour guide this year as we go through the Bible as part of the Route 66 campaign for Grace Church of Glendora. This is the Points of Interest podcast, where we preview this week's reading and get you ready to get into the Word of God. Are you ready? Here we go. Well, it was from Genesis to today. More than four thousand years all the way. George John Dicks on Route 66. Hey everyone, welcome to week 20. And how'd you like that introduction music? A big thanks to my husband, Bob, for rewriting those lyrics to the traditional Route 66 song, kind of giving it our own Grace Family Church slant on it. And a big thanks to Steve Manning for putting together that awesome rendition. I love the upbeat, lively tempo, and so that's going to be our theme music for the rest of this year, so I hope you enjoy it. And this week we're picking up the story of King Solomon in chapter 9 of Second Chronicles and going all the way through chapter 34 of Second Chronicles. So we'll be doing the bulk of Second Chronicles this week. And once again, to review, the books of First and Second Chronicles really focus on the southern kingdom. We're only going to read about the northern kingdom as it pertains to points in history where the two kingdoms, the north and the south, intersect. So we're leaving the northern kings behind and really focusing on the descendants of Solomon through the line of Rehoboam. And that, again, is bringing us back to that big picture grand scheme of what God is doing in history to bring about his plan of salvation that promise from Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the seed of the serpent that will be fulfilled in Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1. This section in Second Chronicles we're going to be looking at this week focuses on that line. And many of Jesus' descendants are listed and discussed here in this section of Second Chronicles, in this, this line of kings as it comes through Solomon and Rehoboam. After the death of King Solomon at the end of chapter 9, the kingdom is divided between Solomon's son Rehoboam and Jeroboam in the north. And then everything after that is really kind of a lesson in the blessings and curses of the book of Deuteronomy. Remember back to the end of Deuteronomy in our study of the law. There was a whole section at the end of the book where it talked about the blessings and curses. If you keep these laws, then this is what will happen for you. You will be blessed. The Lord will protect you. You will have your needs taken care of. But if you do not obey God's law, then this is what will happen to you. God will send people to judge you. You will be put in slavery. Your children will be taken from you. It's a very long and, and difficult list of warnings there at the end of Deuteronomy. Well, what we see in the book of Second Chronicles here is the living out of those blessings and curses. There will be many kings who will obey, at least for a time, 
and then they will turn away from the Lord and then there will be cursings that will come onto the kingdom as a result of those actions from the king and then there'll be a time where the other kings will lead in a revival turn the people back to being faithful to the covenant and then there will be blessings and protection on them so keep that in mind that that's the dynamic of what's happening here is this is a real life living out of those blessings and curses at the end of Deuteronomy it's all connected as you read through the stories in second chronicles many of them should seem familiar to you because we've covered them in the book of second kings However, you will occasionally notice some little differences, some little details, so you want to be looking out for those. Just to share with you one of my kind of favorite differences, more intriguing differences between 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings is the account of King Manasseh. I just find this interesting for some reason. Toward the end of Hezekiah's life, he becomes very ill, and he asks God, uh, to extend his life and we get more of that account in the second Kings story God does extend his life and in that time when God extends his life is when his son Manasseh is born and Manasseh is only 12 when he ascends to the throne and he reigns for 55 years is a very long reign now in the book of second Kings Manasseh is arguably the most wicked king in the south he engages in child sacrifice witchcraft sorcery worshiping the stars he desecrates the temple with false worship he just kind of pulls out all the stops in fact the second king's account compares him to the evil of the Canaanites that Joshua conquered that that's how evil King Manasseh was in the eyes of the Lord he was as evil as a pagan people like the Canaanites who were engaging in these same behaviors that Manasseh did and eventually according to the from the point of view of the second Kings author Manasseh's sins were really so great God could not overlook them and were like the straw that broke the camel's back and caused God to send judgment but what's interesting in the second Chronicles account Manasseh is painted very wickedly and in as a very evil king and yet the toward the end of his life he is also described as repenting and and calling on the Lord and this is a detail of Manasseh's reign that the author of 2nd Kings completely leaves out he is 100% wicked in the eyes of the author of, of Kings but he has a redeeming quality a, re, a redemptive moment in the book of second chronicles and again that would take us back to our our overall theme of the author's purpose in second chronicles is to show us is to select material and to arrange it in such a way as to show us that God is still with his people in the southern kingdom the descendants of David and Solomon that God is still there and that there is that connection to him and the covenant blessings 
And as wicked as Manasseh was from the point of view of the author of Second Kings, nevertheless, I just find this so interesting. Manasseh is one of the kings that is explicitly mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. He is one of Jesus's ancestors. It's interesting to note that Jesus doesn't come from a family tree of all these super righteous superheroes. This is a group of sinners and people who some of them are righteous, some of them are righteous some of the time, and some of them are wicked much of the time. And um, But all of them are hooked and connected together from a genealogical point of view and culminate in the line of the Messiah. Now throughout the podcast this year, as we've been talking about the historical narrative books, those books where God is developing the grand story of his of his people and his working in history. That's really like the top level of the narrative, if you will. It's that how is God working out his eternal universal plan to bring about the salvation of his people. And that's really one of the most important aspects of understanding any story in the biblical narrative is asking that question. What's God doing here as part of his eternal universal plan to bring about the redemption of his people? And then there's a second level or a middle level of meaning in the narrative stories. And this is the level that we talked at length about in the last podcast. And that's the story of God's people, Israel. And this is part of our identity and heritage as God's new covenant people, that this is part of our story. We've been grafted into this people and these are our ancestors and this is part of our history and, and the progress of, of our own people. And so it becomes then part of our identity. And that's kind of an, a middle level of meaning. And then a third level might be the stories of the individuals. Um, and this is where we as Americans actually tend to focus most of our attention is on the individual stories because we find them so compelling and here's these great heroes and everything. But much of the attention I've been developing in these podcasts is looking at the, that top level and the middle level. But that's not to neglect that, that third or lower level of these individual stories There are many great accounts that just offer such a compelling story of individuals who obey God at great personal sacrifice or who disobey God and his covenants and we read about the consequences. Those stories ought to inspire us to either obey God or to see this is could potentially be what could happen to me if I don't obey God. So when you read the stories this week in the book of Second Chronicles, keep these three levels in mind. That top level of what is God doing here in this story in the eternal universal plan of God. That whole Genesis 3.15 narrative of the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent that we've been talking about this year. And then secondly, what's the story of God's people Israel? 
how does this fit into helping me understand my identity as God's people and my heritage, that this is part of my ancestry as well? And then finally, looking at that, that lowest level or the third level, where these are the stories of individuals that should inspire me to engage in covenant faithfulness to God and also to serve as a warning to me for covenant unfaithfulness. Well, that's it for now. We're going to kind of hit the road here. And as we do so, we're going to enjoy some of the great orchestrations of Steve Manning from our own Grace Church family. And we'll catch up again next week as we continue our journey through Route 66. Galilee, Shechem, Colosseum, and Jerusalem City is not a great city.